Welcome to Sports Business Secrets. I'm your host, Kevin Tarka. This podcast is specifically designed to share secrets from experts in the sports business world to help you along your own path to success in this industry. Each episode is packed with lessons and insights that never expire. You'll hear from general managers of professional teams to CEOs of sports tech companies to agents, coaches, players, and everything in between. I invite you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing players and coaches, traveling the world, and always finding a way to battle through obstacles in this competitive industry. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day, coming at you live from Georgia Standard Time. I am in Tbilisi, Georgia. Uh, one thing I've loved about this podcast is uh, as I continue to expand globally and um, physically travel um, to, to various markets, it doesn't matter what time it is because someone will be listening to this uh, in the morning uh, in the U.S. or in the afternoon um, in, in Europe or uh, at nighttime in Australia or in the Asian markets, and um, that's one of my favorite parts. So whatever time it is for you, Happy Wednesday. Today, uh, we are talking about brand partnerships in sports. So I've been doing a lot of, a lot of work with, with my creation talent agency strategy and, and how I can get better, how I can grow, how I can um, you know, continue to add partnerships and, and, and really utilize my skill set and leverage my relationships to uh, both make a bigger impact and become more sustainable myself. Um, but I, I've really been trying to uh, you know, formulate between the the KTA strategy, the, the sports agency, the, some of the consulting projects that I've uh, worked on the past year or so, uh, and just find ways to dive back into brand partnerships, specifically the, the, the brand partnership space in sports. Um, so it's time to start adding a little bit more content um, of that on here. Obviously, we've had guests talk about NIL. We've had CEOs of NIL-focused companies. We've had marketing directors of brands. So we're going to keep that train rolling. But I think I wanted to, um, you know, dive into some solo content myself here, and uh, that's where we are. So um, I haven't really decided how many parts this series is going to be, but I, for whatever reason, decided this is going to be a series. So today I'm just going to kind of go over brand partnerships one-on-one, um, and then over the next couple of, of episodes here. Um, part two is going to be global sports partnerships because I want to talk a little bit about the differences between the states and then um, globally, mostly around basketball. Again, that's kind of been my experience and my niche and my expertise. But, you know, as I've immersed myself in these cultures, I've been, uh, you know, exposed to just how sports partnerships work and some of the, some of the differences and similarities between the partnership space with uh, huge soccer or football clubs or basketball uh, clubs, both in new markets in Europe uh, and then upcoming Asian markets and then back in the States. So that's going to be part two. Part three is going to be uh, all about technology and resources. So just giving you a list of resources that I learn from, both blog posts and, and podcast episodes and some of the guests I've had on mine so you can continue to learn about it. Um, and then also some some technology that both I use and that I've heard of um, that are involved around the, the uh, sponsorship brand partnerships space um, that I think you should check out. Part four is going to be a revisit to NIL uh, because I've I, I put out a couple episodes and obviously had some guests uh, last season, but I want to I want to revisit that and share some of my updated thoughts and and you know how I would approach it now. Whether you're a college athlete or um, you know you're one of the the, the, the many coaches that I have a conversation conversation with um, in the collegiate space on a on a daily basis, I uh, just want to share some more thoughts. So 
Um, that's as far as I got. Maybe there's going to be part five. I'm not sure. So for this one, we're just going to do some breakdowns of the partnership space. And, and for those of you who are unaware, this isn't kind of like some new, um, some new interest of mine. I actually, um, that's the space I started in my career in. Uh, after school, I took a job at a company called Gazelle Group, which is a sports marketing firm based, based in Princeton, New Jersey, and had an amazing three, three years there. Um, kind of got my feet wet in the, in the sponsorship space. We, we produced and managed college basketball events at Gazelle Group. So um, the, the 2K Sports Classic and the Legends Classic and the Gotham Classic at the time, the names have changed a little bit, um, but those were at, at MSG and, uh, and at the Barclays Center. So, you know, I was involved, I wore many hats, but I was involved with some of the operations of that. And then and sponsorship sales was a big part of my job. So um, I really dove in deep into uh, the pr- procurement of new sponsorship deals and, and, you know, how I, how I sourced new deals and how I reached out to people, whether it was cold calls or through my network and, you know, what brought value to different brands and what we had to offer internally as assets. So I learned a lot in those three years. Um, and, and then also, um, you know, those, those college basketball events, I was able to both leverage and build new relationships with colleges, coaches, universities, athletic directors. Um, so that was, uh, that was kind of where I started. Anyways, um, <clears throat> in the beginning of, of the sponsorship stuff, I, I definitely struggled for a little bit. It's really interesting for me to kind of look back on that um, and see how, how the market has changed um, and how the business has really changed. So I, I think in the beginning of it, I struggled for a couple different reasons. One is, you know, being the new guy, uh, you, you always, uh, you know, kind of get thrown into certain categories right for sponsorship sales and the ones I had, I had were not great to start I think I forget which ones I had off the top of my head but it was something like I don't know telecommunications or materials or manufacturing or uh, I think I eventually got half of the watches um, but you know all the good ones were already taken with relationships to, to, to Rolex and all those nice ones anyways um, so so I think one of the reasons that struggles was was I I, I got thrown in the deep end and I, I didn't really know how to how to figure out how some of these categories or brands or companies could find value in sports if they were not sports related. Um, and, and then I also, another big part of it, and, and this obviously has changed a lot, but I struggled to comprehend why brands were paying so much money for broadcast or TV advertisements um, and, and, and more so the calculations behind it. Right. And maybe this was a, a little bit of me not really knowing that I knew, but, knowing and seeing the shift before it happened of of the consumption of media and you know like this a lot of the young generation you know they'll they'll, they waited to skip through advertisements or um you know i don't personally really care about seeing a let's just say state farm uh commercial right for 30 seconds like commercial time for me at that time frame was all right if i'm watching tv if i'm actually sitting down watching a game in the living room um, which obviously has changed already, but if I'm watching it, I'm going to get up and go to the bathroom or get up and get a snack, or I use that time to do something else. Right. So why are brands trying to calculate the CPM of, you know, X amount of dollars for a spot and pay 25 to $50,000 just for 30 second advertising. I just, it, it kind of blew my mind. So, um, that's really when my mind started going towards experiential and how brands could, uh, you know, differentiate themselves and what influencers or athletes could help leverage that message and tell a story to connect directly with their fans. So that was 2012 to 2015 ish. Yes. More than, more than 10 years ago, which is wild. So obviously a lot has changed, but I think that that's important for context because, you know, I find that 
that interest and that passion for, for brands and for brand partnerships and for finding value and connecting it with an athlete or with a property, uh, that's kind of coming back to fruition here. So fast forward to today, and obviously the, the sp- sports sponsorship and advertising space has changed tremendously. Uh, it's gone in so many different directions that it's hard to keep up with. Um, and, and quite frankly, there's no way to even break it all down in this short episode. But what I can tell you, and I think you would agree, is that the days have been long over where a brand just slaps their name on an event or slaps their name on a product and, um, you know, and and expects the consumer to buy it, right? Of course, this still happens sometimes, but, uh, you know, and, and we still have title sponsorships where that's all the brand wants to do, where, hey, $150,000 for this mid, mid-sized event uh, is, is nothing for a big brand, right? Um, you know, you have, you have naming rights for arenas, whether it was the decades long Staples Center in LA, uh, which was the Staples Center. I mean, when's the last time that you bought Staples or, I mean, something at that store? Like, I can't remember the last time I walked into a Staples store or even went online to Staples to buy something. Um, and, and again, when I think of that naming rights, like, I don't know, is that translating now the same way it translated before? Or, or more recently, obviously with my trip to Barcelona, we have Spotify Camp Nou, which is the official stadium name of, of F- FC Barcelona Stadium, if you, if you don't know, on the, uh, on the football side. So does that correlate to new customers for Spotify? I don't know. Um, maybe. I mean, I think it depends on how else they're activating and the other details of that partnership, but just because the name's on a stadium, does that mean people are going to walk in, see the sign and then go to their phone, delete Apple podcasts and sign up for a Spotify family plan? I don't know. Maybe if, 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 uh, if it's that easy, then shit, I need to, I need to start finding ways to get my name on, on stadiums or my company on stadiums. Um, so, so where does that leave us? Well, I, I, I think every situation is different. I think it really depends on who we're talking about. And I'm going to try to break down some of the different categories. So if we're talking about brands, what what are their goals, right? Do they need brand awareness and literally want to pay to have eyeballs see their logo and that's it, right? Maybe you do uh, do um, in-venue or a Super Bowl ad. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe naming rights does make sense because everybody in the Barcelona greater area uh, sees that sees that logo when they walk by let alone the the actual um viewership for games and for game day in venue right or do brands want to tell a story and and have some sort of call to action and funnel consumers into their pipeline maybe they should do more strategic influencer marketing where they know someone will buy or at least have a better chance of them buying via word of mouth or when they see an athlete wearing something they want to associate with that athlete or that influencer or that musician, right? If we're talking about properties, what type of property? How big? What are the assets? Are we talking about uh, FC Barcelona? Are we talking about the stadium? Are we talking about a, a, a league? You know, the second the second division league in Germany, Germany Pro A basketball. Uh, are we talking about German Bundesliga for basketball or German Bundesliga for 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 football? Right? It's a big difference, right? So, do do does that team have access, let's say, to sell through their assets to include players in a deal? For example, in the collective bargaining agreement in the NBA, uh, between the NBA and the, and the National Basketball Players Association, in section 37.1, and I, and I actually have an episode that, that's somewhat related to this, so I'll, I'll try and link this in the notes. In section 
players are actually contracted to appear up to two times for, um, for an event or for an appearance at the request of NBA properties. And if they, if they show up, they get paid, right? There, there's a preset um, uh, payment that they get to show up. But if they don't show up, they can get fined $20,000. I think that's the number. So I, that's a huge difference right there. Like if you're talking to a brand and, and let's say, let's just call it Starbucks, uh, and they're interested in, in relationships with players or that brings them a lot of value or even just being associated with some of the players. And you have the opportunity as a club or as a stadium or as a property to include in your benefit package that you're selling brands that they can have a sign or a product, maybe even a cup on a table at an appearance that's guaranteed two times per year with NBA players. That's huge. I mean, that, that is, that, that's, that's a massive difference between offering that value and then not having that in your deal. So that allows you to price it differently. And, and I think it's situations like this where you kind of got to get creative and dive deep into every situation where you can identify as a brand, uh, as a property, how you can generate more revenue for, for assets you already have. Right. So are we talking, you know, we talked about brands, talked about properties. Are we talking about talent? I mean, this one could have an entire podcast of its own, let alone its own, you know, uh, its own episode. Um, are we talking about NIL, right? College athletes being allowed to monetize their name, image, and likeness, which I'm going to go deeper into in, 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 in part four um, of this little series. We're talking about professional athletes, which league, how, how big is their social following? Is it a, uh, you know, are they trying to get a payment to just appear somewhere and they need the cash? Or is it a genuine passion of the players and they want to invest their time in it? Is it part of their, their, their nonprofit that they have? Is it a social-based deal um, for, for exposure? Or, or, or maybe there's equity included in a deal that wants to link with an up-and-coming athlete, right? There's, there's so many, as you can tell. I mean, my, this makes my, my mind spin in circles, right? So in summary, kind of a few parts here. I think you're either on the selling side which means you're a property or an athlete or, or, or media, right? Even, even like podcasts, which I'm, I'm, I'm working on, you know, for, for my own podcast here, this podcast right now, I have assets, I have eyeballs, I have audience, I have listeners, right? I haven't even put out all of the 120 video episodes yet of, of the guests that I have, which um, reminds me, I need to move that up, up the priority list because it's valuable. Um, but you know, you, you have to, if you're on the selling side, start with identifying your assets. Um, what do you have that can provide for exposure or pro provide value for a brand or a partner that might be interested in connecting? Do you have social media following? Do you have a million followers? Do you have 50 followers? Do you have 100, 196 followers, but you get 190 four likes, right? In other words, do you have a newsletter where the open rate is, I don't care if you have a million, uh, 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 a million subscribers, which would be fantastic or a hundred subscribers, right? Like for example, my newsletter, which I recommend all of you, uh, uh, tuning into it's, it's, it's a bit, I'm, I'm going through some, some re-strategy there, but it's more of a personal one, less sports business, but more of a, a view into the day in the life of, of basically, you know, growing the agency and tools that I use to, uh, on a personal note to kind of make me the best version of myself. But I have about 200 people that subscribe to that, which really started with my parents and my, my siblings and my grandma. Um, uh, but it's like a 56% open rate, which is fantastic. So 
out of the people that that grew into, more than half of them open it on the first of every single month per, for the past five years, which is fantastic, right? But you have to identify what those assets are. Um, or that was, the, that was the selling side, or are you on the buying side? Do you, you have to determine, I guess, first and foremost, what your goals are. Like I mentioned before, if you're a brand, do you just need to get some exposure? Do you, do you need direct sales? Do you want to give away product? Do you want a, a vendor deal? You, do you want to try to have your, your beverage in arenas? Is it link clicks you're looking for? Or is it signups to your newsletter? Is it redirecting people to download your podcast? And at the end of the day, if you're on the buying side, what are you willing to pay for that? You have to identify that. So again, Matt, even this conversation gets me fired up. We've been talking for you know, 16, 17 minutes here. And, and, and this is why I lose sleep, people. Um, just kidding. I actually really have focused on that. So I do try and get between six and a half and eight hours of sleep every single night. But um, yeah, my, my, my curiosity is a blessing and a curse. I think uh, um, you know, I, I, if I get curious about something, uh, I'll, I'll dive into it and then I become obsessed and then I dive deep even more and then then i switch it up and you know i hear something about this or 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 i go on this tangent but hey look i still believe there's value in in having experience and knowledge in many subjects and paths and uh although many people say a jack of all trades is a master of none i am at peace with the fact that that's that's just not me right at least right now like i'm okay with talking about brand partnerships and talking about the second division of germany and then talking about basketball and then talking about motivation and then talking about sports tech because at the end of the day, with the podcast especially, not only do I learn more, not only do I meet more people and build my reputation in the space, but I get to share with you more knowledge than I'm learning. So um, that's, that's enough blabbering for me today for this episode here. As always, if you're listening and you want to keep the conversation going or you have a question or you think I'm an idiot and said something stupid and you want to tell me that, you know where to find me. Um, I, I am open to any and all conversations shoot me an email or uh, send me a message on social media and I will try to get back the best I can. Um, And that's what I got for you. Enjoy your Wednesday wherever you are in the world and we will see you back here tomorrow. Thanks again for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed the episode or if it brought you any value at all, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you share it on social media, make sure you tag me at Kevin Tarka. If there are any topics that you want me to dive into or any guests you'd love for me to have on the show, just shoot me a message and I will do my best to make it happen. Have an amazing day and hope to see you back here soon.